You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today's show is all about why we love sports. At its most basic level, our feelings about sports are personal. Sports tie into our identities, the way we grew up, and our families. I wanted to wind down today's show with thoughts on family fandom, people's personal relationship to sports within their families. We have four very short stories for you about how our families shape our ideas of sports. Uh, So my name is Kirsten Kelly. I'm an editorial intern at Bitch, and I grew up in a very small town in California, which actually happens to be the same small town as my dad. When my dad was in high school, he was the captain of the basketball team, and my mom was the captain of Letter Girls, which was her high school's version of cheerleaders, which she was only involved with because at that time they wouldn't let her play more aggressive sports like she seriously loves football it's a little crazy um i actually remember one time when the kings were playing the lakers and they lost um the championships my dad like laid down on the floor and had a full-blown temper tantrum yeah i don't do sports at all um You know, I I like to go outside, and I like to ride horses, and I like to ski, and those are all athletic, but they're not sports in in the classic sense of the term. Um, So when I was growing up, that was actually a little bit of a challenge for my family because my mom especially couldn't understand why I didn't want to compete and why I didn't like to play with, like, balls made of rubber. (laughs) Um, and, you know, she was really encouraging me to try all of these different things. So I, I tried out for volleyball and I tried out for basketball and I never made it past the first cut um, because at 24 years old, I still actually trip over my feet because I'm not sure how big they are. Um, and that's pretty much been the story of my life. And honestly, you know, when I did play um, in some of the local league sports and stuff, it wasn't it wasn't something I really enjoyed. It really felt like and, and still feels like a chore. But most of the time when we're watching games, I actually don't know what the rules are. Um, so people start yelling and I go, yay, along with them, but I actually have no idea. Um, I think they're learning that like I don't, you know, and just because I don't do sports doesn't mean I'm not competitive or assertive or willing to stand up for myself. Um, so as a writer, you know, I get a lot of hate online. And um, I haven't let that stop me. And I've gotten a lot of rejection because when you're a writer, that's how things go. And I just keep going. And I think that they're really proud that I've been able to just keep going on. Um, And that I haven't really, I think they're relieved to see that I didn't need sports to teach me how how to stand up for myself and how to get into the game. Kristen Rogers-Brown, celebrity art director of Bitch, and I feel like I'm making a confession. I am a Chicago Cubs fan, Um, (laughs) and I was born into it. I I grew up outside of Chicago in the south suburbs of Chicago. My mom passed away about 10 years ago, and um, one of my, like, sort of 
fondest, I guess, memories of my mom is uh, I remember finding out she had cancer and um, passed away about 10 years ago. And when she really found out that it was kind of the last stretch of it, um, one of her sort of rants and complaints <laughs> that she had was that, oh my God, I'm never going to see the Cubs win in my lifetime. And it was sort of like, dude, these guys better get it together. <laughs> um, and she actually said, because her dad used to take her to games when she was growing up, she was like, man, my dad didn't even see him win. Like, no, I didn't, I'm not going to see him win. I hope maybe you'll get to see him win. It was very long-suffering. And, like, we all kind of rolled our eyes, but we were all kind of like, oh, shit. That really sucks. <laughs> um, like hoping that the Cubs can win a World Series before she dies? Yeah. But, I mean, it's the Cubs. They're, like, kind of cursed. We were all kind of like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, it could have been, it, this was not like, you're going to die in a minute. You know, this was like, oh, you have cancer. It could be years. They're probably not going to win. So all these years later, I am still a Cubs fan. And again, I feel like I'm confessing something here. Um, I've lived outside of Chicago since I was about 18. So it's been sort of hidden in various um, cities. And uh, I think my sister and I carry on her superstitions. My sister lives in New York. She promised my mom that she would never set foot in the Mets stadium in New York. I don't know if she's carried that on or not. But um, one thing that I'm embarrassed and a little afraid to say out loud, maybe not embarrassed, but I'm afraid to say out loud, is that I've actually never been to a game where the Cubs lost in person. And um, by saying that out loud, I hope that maybe the Cubs would offer me season tickets so that they would win, but that might not happen. I've been to a lot of games. Chicago resident Veronica Ariola hosts a really interesting Facebook page. It's called, I Pledge to Attend One Women's Sports Event This Year. I talked to Veronica and her 12-year-old daughter about their relationship to sports and their love of sports as a family. So can you tell me about your guys' project to, um, see, to, to encourage people to see at least one women's sporting event in a year and how it got started? Um, it got started, oh wow, I totally forgot. I think it was like 2008, um, 2010. Uh, it was during one of the Winter Olympics. And I was noticing how, again, during the Olympics, all women's sporting uh, events and sport athletes, women athletes got a lot of attention and were uh, praised in the media about being strong and that their feats were amazing and people should watch, etc., etc. But I knew that as soon as the Olympics faded and the torch would be extinguished, that people would go back to ignoring women's sports. So I decided to create this Facebook page because that's where you can do things like this um, and just challenge people to attend one women's sporting event a year. How do you feel about your mom's project? Do you think it's pretty cool or do you feel like, what's the point? I go see tons of women's sports. 
I think it's pretty cool because while I know that we go to a lot of women's sports, I do realize that there aren't as many people in the audience as there are as if we go, as when we go to men's sports. And I think that's a problem because they're just as good and sometimes even better because they win more. And it's just, it's really good what she's doing because I think they deserve a much better audience. So, so both of you, what's your all-time favorite team to go watch play? Um, well, my favorite all-time team is the national women's soccer team. Um, I look up to them so much. So it's really cool whenever I get to see them play, which is why I absolutely love the experience of going to the um, World Cup this past summer. And it's probably one of the best games I've ever seen. But I really like seeing them as well as the Chicago Red Stars, which is the soccer team for our city. Um, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I really, one of my favorite experiences was a few years ago, we took um, Elizabeth's Girl Scout team, Girl Scout troop to a Chicago Sky game, which is our WNBA team. And it was a family event and watching all these new families experience the sky for the first time is always great for me uh, to, to watch, but especially watching all the little brothers getting really into the game. Um, because I think in some of the conversation about the lack of support for women's sports, people talk about boys and men not wanting to watch women compete. But once you get men or women into a stadium watching athletes, whether they're men or women, they totally love it. Do you want to play in the World Cup someday? Oh, it's my dream. For the final story, we're going to hear from someone who's a big part of this show, but we never have on the air, our producer, Alex Ward. Hi, Alex. Hello. You are usually behind the scenes on this show. You're the person who helps record interviews and get all of our audio levels right. You're the one who makes me sound good. It's not that hard. You sound great, Sarah. Ah, oh, geez. That's way too nice. <laughs> but okay, so when I talked to you about this week's show theme and the family sports stories, you said, oh man, I have to talk to my dad. Can you tell us a little bit about your dad? Yeah, I wanted to talk to my dad um, because... He, like me, he grew up playing sports from a very young age, uh, starting with baseball and that football and basketball. So he kind of was a three-sport athlete into high school. Um, but then I never really heard about that a lot. What I heard, did hear a lot about was him being a cheerleader his senior year in high school when he quit the football team and he joined the rally squad. Um, and I remember talking to him about that as a kid and thinking, I wanted to know, A, why that transition happened. From and football star to cheerleader. From I, I doubt he was a star. But, uh, <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I was yes, trying to be nice. No, that's fine. But going from uh, going from on the field to off the field, and then sort of what butterfly effect that had in his life. Great. Well, let's listen to your interview. I played uh, baseball for many years on a little league team, and then when I got into middle school, I played football, basketball, and track. Pretty much, uh, pretty much, whenever, whenever there was a tryout, I was I was going to it. Yeah. So then, what happened in your senior year? 
So I was playing football. I enjoyed it. In in my senior year, we had summer. Uh, we, we started summer training, summer practices. And what went on there changed my attitude about football. I guess you could call it old school um, coaching where there was a lot of coaching motivation by degradation. And a lot of it was, you know, they would call you a pussy. They'd say, oh, you're hitting like a girl. And they'd, they'd, you know, chew you out. And I don't know, maybe that goes on today. But I was, uh, I was helping the coaches in the summer um, work with some ninth graders. And I saw a coach who I didn't like. He was paramilitary. And he chewed this kid out and called him a pussy and kicked him and made him do push-ups and put his, uh, you know, foot on the guy's back. Basically, this guy was taking out his own internal aggression and his demons on this kid. And this kid was crying. And it affected me so much. I said, I don't want to be a part of this. And I remember walking away from... Um, football practice, I, I took off my, um, I took off my football spikes. I set them on the bench and I said, I'm out of here. And, uh, I left, um, I left organized sports at that time. It was just mean spirited cruelty as if you can have loving cruelty, (laughs) but that was it. And then you transitioned from on the field to off the field. So talk me through that transition. So um, all of a sudden, I had taken away my identity as an athlete. um, And I didn't realize that was going to leave such a hole in my life. And so um, a friend of mine, right when school started, he had said, hey, I'm thinking about trying out for the rally squad. Do you want to do it? I don't want to do it alone. Would you be interested? This was a good friend of mine. And uh, I said, God, what a great idea. His, his motive was because he had a terrible crush or a fantastic crush on a girl, cute girl, who was going to try out for Rally Squad. He thought if he got elected, which of course he would, because man on the Rally Squad was not cool. He was cool. I was cool. We thought, let's do it. You, you thought you were cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool, but it was hard to be cool when you're on the rally squad just because it, you know, when you go from being an athlete. So I said, what could it hurt? And of course we got elected and I had friends who were on the football team. So our first game, I was getting tremendous, my friend and I, who both knew a lot of people on the football team, we got really, really great acceptance. And we were out there and it was so supercharged. And I found that that was so much more, um, so much more invigorating. You know, I, I was just on stage, you know, and I got to go to all the away games. Um, ironically, that year that I was on the rally squad, the football team, um, took the, uh, state championship, the best team in the state. So I was able to be a part of that. And I didn't have to worry about sitting on the bench, which I probably would have. Um, I was right on the field with them. And uh, it was so much fun. 
you were very outgoing. You are very outgoing. I know this about you. I inherited this from you. Uh, and you felt like you were on stage. So what effect did that have on your, your career going forward? <laughs> uh, if you are an extrovert, like I am, and you are, there's something satisfying about being able to uh, have an effect on a crowd in a positive way. And I was having a lot more success than that. I'm doing that on the sidelines as a rally squad than I did if I was playing football. And it led to my a shift in my lifestyle my senior year. Uh, in the spring, I also auditioned for a theater production, which I never would have done. Athletes and drama kids were way, way on the each end of the spectrum. I got involved with theater. Um, I ended up becoming um, a theater major in college. And uh, I found my tribe. Yeah. You know, I love sports. I love watching it. I love playing it. But maybe you can agree with me or not that when it really becomes, when sports becomes so serious that winning and losing is everything and your performance on the field or, or in, you know, in the gym becomes so serious and there's so many consequences of it, um, that wasn't fun to me. You make a mistake and it could be just as simple as missing a block or missing a tackle or, um, you know, somebody in the secondary getting by you. Or in basketball, if you, you know, had a turnover, you're taken out of the game. Shame and humiliation. The rest of the team is, and the, and the crowd is, uh, you know, resentful that the game could have gone a different way if you didn't screw up. I didn't like that much pressure and I never felt that I mean when when I was in a play the most I had to worry about was remembering my entrances and remembering my lines but it wasn't like they were going to pull me off the stage and chew me out what a weird theater program that would be we're putting in your understudy get out of here Ward Propaganda is produced by the team here at Bitch Media. Bitch is an independent, nonprofit feminist media organization. We're entirely funded by our Beehive members, subscribers, and like-minded sponsors. So if you like today's episode of Propaganda, please become a member online at bitchmedia.org today. Let us know you liked the show in your order comments. Our jingle is by Mux and Owen Worker. Additional music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Look up their creative and minimalist sounds by going to Google and typing in sessions.blue. And the show is produced by Alex Ward at the studios of X-Ray FM, an independent radio station in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for listening.